Renegade Aviator, David Costa. Oh, oh, up and done. Two soldiers, five. We on the airfield and airspace. You are clear for takeoff. Have a good one. Thanks, Mo. Clear for takeoff. Check your bucket brake off. Check your trim set. Check your nozzle steering on. Maneuver. Damn it, half school phase. Left turn out. That's what I'm up. Off brakes now. The Renegade Aviator combines jet airshow performances and this radio show to promote aviation, excellence, overcoming obstacles, and achieving goals. Here he is, the Renegade Aviator, David Costa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is David Costa, the Renegade Aviator, and I've got three words for you to remember right now, world record jet Com. That's right, worldrecordjet.com. That's what I'm doing. We can't fly air shows, but we can do something. So we are setting or we're going after some world records with the Generation Z. So if you are Generation Z, that's roughly 18 to 30 years old. We need your help because you're going to be part of our crew. You're going to be the people that redesign the aircraft. You're going to be the people that cut the drag, cut the weight, increase the thrust. You're going to be helping us go after some world records. That's what we're doing, but I've got a guest today that you're going to love to talk to, and it's my friend Greg Collier, and Greg has been with us before, but he's back with some really cool and new information. So, Greg, welcome to the Renegade Aviator Radio Show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Right on. Well, Greg, uh, let's kick right in. You know, you, um, with this whole air show shutdown, this whole COVID stuff, there's a lot of us to put a lot of time and energy and money, and certainly you do with your jets, into your air show program. And obviously now we're not flying air shows. So um, how have you been weathering this storm and what are you doing to, to, to stay relevant so when we do come back, you'll be ready to rock and roll? Yeah, you know, uh, last year, I, you know, I flew 25 shows, and this year I booked less. I was only going to fly 20. I booked 20, and I, personally I was going to fly 12 to 14, and one of my other guys was going to fly the other six. And then we decided to do a two- or three-ship act. So that was going to cut it down to about six shows, but with three jets. And the season started in February. For the first time, I had all three airplanes together. And we did uh, a nice photo flight. It's on uh, Vimo, or the, I think that's how you pronounce it, the video channel, um, yeah. of, with all three jets together, which was pretty good. Uh, Parker Vision, John Parker, uh, filmed us from a Bonanza, just doing some nice formation in the three ship. And uh, we did one formation practice, demo practice, and uh, and that was going to be our goal this year. And then, unfortunately, you know, with the shutdown, every air show has been canceled this year. I mean, one after another, just got word that... Uh, uh, Huntington Beach canceled last week. So I have one show left this year that might happen, and that's at Embry-Riddle University down in Prescott, but I'm not holding my breath for that. Yeah, so weathering the storm, parked the jets. Luckily, I, uh, um, I'm i still doing my teaching at Edwards and Air Force Base in Pax River at, uh, at the, the Navy stuff. I've just been hanging out at home. I restored my old World War II Jeep with all my extra time, and uh, I picked up a steerman, so I'm actually learning to be a real pilot. So... Yeah, it's uh, 
been staying busy, but not busy. I got real good at laying by the pool. <laughs> I really don't think I, I, I mean, I think people have a clue that what kind of time and effort and money goes into going out and putting bad enough, putting one jet out there in the air show circuit, but keeping three jets flying. So what you were able to do and to pick up some flying with the military and the test pilot schools, explain a little bit about that, because that is, that's something really neat. I mean, you're bringing in a classic jet, a T-33, beautiful, wonderful jet. And what type of role do you do? What's your mission and, and what are you doing to support these uh, test pilot programs? Yeah, well, at Edwards Air Force Base, um, uh, one of the first unknown aircraft calls that the students fly. You know, the students that down at the test pilot schools, they get to fly a huge variety of aircraft. Not only do they fly pretty much everything in the Air Force fleet, you know, F-16, T-38, you know, they'll go on a field trip and fly a Hornet or an A-10. Uh, maybe they'll send them to Florida to fly a 104, plus all the heavy stuff. Then they bring in um, civilian contractors with maybe an extra 300 or a T-6 or an Albatross. Uh, seaplane. They bring in me in the T-33, and I am one of the first, if not the first, graded unknown aircraft qual that the students fly. So I give them all uh, our ground school as a class. Then we, you know, when I do my sorties with them, they 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 get the POH and the manuals uh, way. You know, they already have it, so they work out their test cards and they figure out all the performance of the aircraft and what it should do, uh, given the temperature and the density altitude and all that stuff and then when i when we go out and fly they fly this test card and they compare you know the figures they came up with from the poh and all the performance charts to what the actual airplane actually does along with stability checks and uh rudder doublets and you know frequency uh, on the pitch and low level stuff aerobatics slow flight dead sticking it and we pretty much run the gauntlet through uh, everything the airplane's capable of do and then they have to go back and ride a huge report on it just as if they were flying the jet for the first time in 1948 or 44. That's pretty neat. You know, had you had gone through test pilot training prior to this or how did you get involved in that? No, I was, I was in the army, but I didn't, I never went through test pilot school or anything like that. I was flying an air show. This all came about. Um, I was flying an air show at Lancaster, which is close there, you know, five years ago, I guess down at uh, near Edwards Air Force Base. And one of the test pilot officers or command, actually, I think he was a commander at the time, saw me fly and he came over and he talked to me. And over the course of a year, we exchanged, you know, three or four emails about the T-33. And then the next year when I flew the show again at Lancaster, he came out along with uh, somebody else from the school. And I took one of them for a, a, a flight. And again, a lot of discussions, emails back and forth. And it, it it progressed. Uh, we came up with lesson plans and had, to, and then plus we had to go through a, uh, you know, pretty good vetting process, vetting process through the Air Force for the aircraft and myself. And then they put out a bid and I bid on it and I was awarded the contract and it was a one-year contract with a five-year extension. And then after my first um, deployment down there, after, you know, they, and my first appointment, I was just a freebie r ride for the graduating class just to give them another airplane to fly. They didn't have to write a report. They didn't have to do anything, just go out and fly the airplane. And from all the feedback from the students, they ended up saying, hey, you know what? They learned a lot. They loved you. They left the airplane. Uh, we're going to bring you back. They, ex they gave me my extension, and now I'm uh, actually a graded qual for them. And then um, the first time I was out there, I also got to the F-35 squadron came over, the test squadron, because I knew one of the guys from, he used to be an F-16 demo pilot, 
and they were supposed to fly a mission and the F-16s broke. They were supposed to fight. So they brought me in, in and I fought them uh, while well, I was target. I wouldn't really say I fought them. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was just out there running around getting shot down a lot. Uh, <laughs> so it, it turned out pretty good. And then once I got that contract, the Navy, I saw, uh, I had been in contact with the Navy, but again, they said, hey, only qualified bidders, you have to go through this whole vetting process. And then I called them up and I go, hey, I'm teaching at Edwards. And they're like, okay, you're good to go. So I bid on that contract and uh, I got that one out there as well. And then, but they also tagged on VX-23, um, which is a Hornet strike test squadron at Pax River. They tack on hours. So I might do 17 hours with the test pod school. Then I go to the other side of the base and I fly with the Hornet test squadron just uh, to give them another airplane to fly. And sometimes we do chase duties, but usually we're just out, you know, having fun in the T-33. Pretty cool. It is cool. And, you know, as I'm listening to you go through all these steps, so people say, well, gosh, you know, I wish I could do that. Or, gosh, people think that there's some magical way into programs like this or opportunities. But you rattled off a bunch of steps that I think 99% of the people would have taken 50% of the steps and then complained how the world was against them or insert excuse here, yeah. <laughs> right? But here you go yeah. with, with a jet made in the 40s and you're flying. I, I mean, I, I just think that is so cool. And and you make it sound easy because that's just how you are. You'll, you'll just take those steps. But it, it probably wasn't a walk in the park is, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, there's like my wife has to remind me a lot that because um, I've enjoyed myself, but I, my wife reminds me all the time on how much work I, pu- I put into it. I mean, to get to where I am today. And even when I first started, like we discussed last time, um, you know, I'm, like I think you said it, I'm an overnight success. It took 10 years of hard work, <laughs> you know, but uh, I think I was in, like I said before, I was in the right place at the right time when I first started with the right airplane and I didn't mess it up. And then just by, continuing to to pursue and want to be better and and help others too i mean i i love seeing other people succeed as well and if i can help people do that and it just one thing left you know added to another like the one jet you know led to a second jet which led to uh other people flying for me which led to a third jet which led to you know the edwards contract and the pax river contract and it just i, I you know i can't say you know how fortunate i am and I pinch myself every day that I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, and I would suffice it to say, you're probably your your biggest competitor was you, right? It's you know, there's always going to be competition out there, and somebody wants to bring a jet out or do this or that. But it seems like uh, for a lot of us doing anything, right? Whether we want to be air show pilots, jet pilots, or as I use, since I've got a daughter who's in ballet, ballerinas, you better yeah. put in all that time, and you better stop competing with everybody else. And like you said, you need to go out there and show up and do it first. Right. You're your own, you know, best competition and you give people a product that they want. And then, you know, you take away the other competition. Even when I hired a second pilot, even though he was a great guy and, and everybody loved him and he flew my demo, the, you know, I trained him to fly my demo the way I did. Some shows still they not like a lot of shows wanted the jet and my demo, which they got with either of us. But some, a few shows just said, Oh, we want you though. We want to, like they specified, they wanted me to fly the show. Mm. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, I understand that. And, uh, so it's, 
I mean, it, it is I mean, exactly what you said. You, you, you are your own best competition. You're also your own worst enemy if, if you go down a different way. Well, because there is, there's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. You were telling me kind of offline, you had some recent challenges. What has been the biggest challenge in operating classic jets like this in a real world theater? I mean, you're now working with people that are expecting you to fly. Right. I mean, you know, it's not yeah. like, oh, geez, my, my jet's not ready today. Sorry. What's been the biggest challenge in supporting three jets? Yeah, there's a lot. Um, it's been like when I was flying the one jet by myself and the two jets by myself, it was pretty it was pretty simple because uh, one jet was flying at a time and I was doing everything. And then when I got a second pilot, you know, and then a third pilot, now I have three jets running three people. And I was like uh, not only an aircraft owner, but now I'm a dispatcher and I'm a maintenance person and on this and that. So I had to rethink of the way I handled all those things. And, you know, I implemented new um, items in the, you know, I carried different books in the airplane to, for discrepancies and to, to log everything so we can, I could keep on top of, of all that stuff. And at Edwards, one of the things they loved about when I was down there is like my first two times down there, I, we flew 60 sorties without a cancellation, you know, and then we had a, little issue but it was something that we could fix in one day and we were back flying again at Pax River and the in the jets I mean staying on top of the maintenance and and making sure those jets are, are good to go luckily Kelly Johnson designed a really good aircraft an excellent platform um, which is very robust but it, you know it still has its challenges to keep reliability and as I was telling you offline which I'll, I'll share with the your your listeners um, I was just out at Pax River last week and I was I had done four or five sorties already and I was on my next day and first sortie of the day we're taxiing out. I just cranked up and we got out of the chocks and I usually get us out of the chocks and I give it to the guy I'm flying with because the first turn is a sharp one and it's kind of a hard jet to taxi. And um, both of my inverter lights came on at the same time, which is unusual because um, if one goes out, there's a it will relay and turn on the second inverter. I didn't say generator. I meant to say inverters. And um, well, as soon as we got out of the shocks, both inverter lights came on. So I stopped the jet and I asked the pilot up front to check the two breakers. I told him where they were and he said they're both in. So I had my son, who's crewing for me, come over. He opened up the nose of the aircraft and smoke came out because I was going to have him check the two breakers in there for the inverters. But as soon as he opened the door, I saw smoke. So I shut down the whole engine uh, and the aircraft, batteries, power, everything, and that put extinguish the fire and what had happened is an electrical harness that they had when they rewired the airplanes when Canada rewired them they one of the harnesses it went 90 degrees a hard bend around the bulkhead and uh, that had chafed and shorted out because it wasn't wrapped and it caught fire I was on the ground and I was able to you know shutting off the power to the jet killed the fire if I 10 minutes later we would have been out 13 miles over open water and would have had to leave the aircraft um, so I'm very fortunate in there. And then I texted, um, Steve Hinton, you know, and I told him what happened and he told me that he had the exact same fire in his nose or same problem seven huh. years ago. So, uh, the first thing I'm doing now is on Ace Maker three, which is the exact same configuration as number two. I'm going to take that wiring harness and I'm going to loosen it and wrap it around where that, where it bends around that bulkhead to prevent it from happening to that airplane. So it was just a bad uh, with the way the way it was wired when they overhauled the airplane was just a bad 
a bad uh, way of doing it. Look at all the flights you had on that airplane before it manifested. Yeah, I mean, right. A 452, I've flown that thing about a thousand hours. Uh, really good reliability, you know. No, I've never missed an air show due to a mechanical. So the jets have been very good to me, you know, but that comes by taking care of them and, um, and keeping up on everything. Like I said, I'm just extremely fortunate and uh, my, that Ace Maker 2 is now at Pax River and I was lucky because after I shut down the airplane, I went back to the hotel. You know, I got into my shorts and my t-shirt. We came back out to look at it to assess the damage and a guy comes by in a golf cart and he just happens to, you know, like T-33, so he starts talking to me and then I told him what happened. Turns out he's a wiring guy, so he's fixing the airplane for me back at Pax River on his off time and building a new wiring harness for it, and um, I should be able to go back out there in three or four weeks and finish up my contract and, and bring the jet home. Yeah. <laughs> You're lucky. And what makes the story even better is he asked me if, when he was looking at the airplane, he goes, hey, do you have the electrical diagrams for this plane? I go, yeah. So I have it on my phone, and it was emailed to me from a friend of mine that, is, that works at Hill Air Force Base, who's an F-16 guy. So I forward him that email with the electrical manual and he looks at the email and he goes, you know, Hank. And I go, yeah, he's a good buddy of mine. He works on my jet all the time. He's like, I worked with him for 10 years at Hill Air Force Base. So small aviation world there. Right. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I'm just very fortunate because my plane would, you know, is stuck in Pax river and, you know, they're great guys out there and they put me in a hangar, the Boeing hangar with the Hornets and I got somebody to fix my airplane for me. So, it, like I said, I'm, I'm just thinking my lucky stars, it could have been so much worse. And like 10 minutes later, like I said, I would, we would have had to eject or, or put the airplane in the water and who knows how that would have turned out. So I'm just thankful it happened when it did. Well, it is. And, and it's, not, it's not that we want to be nervous or, you know, afraid of these airplanes, but these are, and there's a bunch of these Warbird jets out there that can work fine until they don't work. You know what I'm saying? And and it's not yeah. like a regular old Cessna. Um, so, you know, emergency procedures and just knowing what to do. But even to that bailout sequence in an airplane right. like yours, it's not an F-18 you're punching out of. It's the last thing you want to do is pull the handles. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, I'll pull handles if I needed to, I would. Uh, luckily, the T-33 glides well. I mean, if we, of course, if we were on fire and we couldn't put the plane on the ground soon or even in the water, um, I could do a manual bailout, I could punch out, or we could delegate it in the water. But either of those things, and this, just this wiring harness, it was just, you know, this the way they wired it, because two and three jets were completely overhauled by the Canadian Air Force before they sold them around 2003 or so, and they rewired the entire airplane. But I guess they've done a, you know, just the way they wired this one harness was just routed. It was just a bad a bad thing to do and but luckily you know it happened and i can learn from it and i can prevent it in my other airplane by by correcting the, the issue before it happens yeah no outstanding that brings up another point so you're taking these young young i, I guess uh, it's all relative i guess but these are kids you're probably yeah. flying with right that it, yeah, kids compared to us right yeah that, that have come out and here they've flown Really cool stuff, you know, modern technology. What do they think of that T-33? I mean, we have, there's, a, there's a world of difference between those the aircraft they're used to flying. You know, it, they, they all love it. Like the, the last class at Pax River, the test pilot students in that last class told me, because uh, they fly the T-38 the most out there, and they said they liked it better than the T-38. They go, yeah, we learn more from it. It's funner to fly. It's, it's just, they just 
everybody just loves that plane. They, they're really surprised by the performance. They're like, they don't expect that performance out of a 1940s jet. The way she holds energy, how fast she can go, how maneuverable she is. And, uh, and that's the, one of the reasons why after my first stint out at Edwards, after they got uh, when the graduating class fills out their critique sheets and what they liked and what they didn't like and what they learned the most from and so forth, the, the T-33 was at the top of all their lists. So um, as one of their favorite planes. So that's why they, they moved me up to, in the, to a different spot in the, in the school. Well, you didn't say it, but I'm going to say it. So it probably was not just the jet, but you've got an attitude of being a service to these people that you're working with. So I would imagine, and this is where we go again, to how does success manifest itself? How do people get to where they are? Yeah, anybody can bring a T-33 jet. Well, not anybody, but you know what I'm getting at. You can bring the jet, but can right. you bring the attitude, the personality, and the, and the service because, you know, you've probably flown with people that you hated every second you were flying with them, not because they didn't know how to fly an airplane, just because they didn't communicate well or didn't explain things well or just didn't make the experience what it what you expected. Yeah, I mean, that definitely helped me because I know that they've had a couple aircraft down there just from stories I've heard that they really loved the airplane and it was like the only one they could get of that type of plane. But even though the... The, the person that was doing the flying wasn't, you know, they didn't really like that person that was instructing or whatever. They, and they end up, you know, not coming back or getting fired after a couple of times and saying, oh, you know what, it's not worth flying that plane to put up with you. Which um, I've had, I've heard, I've heard stories of that. And at Pax River, when I took my evaluation flight, the first day I was there, they put me in the jet with with the XO and we were flying and he had questions to, you know, about where certain buttons are switches in, in the front cockpit. And I told him, Hey, it's the, the switch is right here, you know? And, and he's like, well, I can't find it. And I just, and the way I explained it to him, I said, it's the only button on the panel in that area, or it's the only one that looks like this. And then he found it right away. And, and when he landed, he, he just said, you know, Greg uses good language, plain, simple English. And, like I had a question about something and he explained it in the fact where it took me two seconds to find it or to figure it out. Yeah. And he definitely knows the airplane like the back of his hand blindfolded, which hopefully I do after 2,300 hours in the chat. Well, yeah, you, you uh, have, you have to be one of the highest yeah. time T-33 guys still flying, I would imagine. Yeah, I think I am. You know, it's really sad. My mentor and grandfather and friend and legend Kay Eckhart, you know, passed away a few weeks ago. And his T-33s, and he had a, a couple thousand hours in it, but I think I'm the highest time guy in the country now, especially yeah. with aerobatics and the airplane for sure, and, and the type well, of flying that I do. Yeah, because it, most people don't fly the airplane. You know, most Warbird jet guys don't go up and really do aerobatics. So you're up there flying an airshow routine, and you're working the airplane hard. And you know the airplane really well. And so you go out, you know, you're out there, you've got all this experience. Here's a loaded question for you. Have you learned anything from these young kids that have seen aviation from a totally different viewpoint? Yeah, you know, I learned when I was a controller. You know, I tell guys when they were plugging in on their very first day of the job just to monitor, season controller, I would tell them, hey, if you have any questions or if you see something, speak up. You know, because I can learn something. They might see something that I've never seen in 25 years, and I can learn something from them. And, and same with these guys that get in the airplane. I'm, I, I see all different types of flying styles. Some things I go, wow, I, I like the way that guy does that, you know, and I'll pick that up. And, 
and I'll, and I'll put it in my bag of tricks. So there's, I, I can learn something from the most inexperienced pilot and I can learn something from the, from the most experienced pilot. You know, you get in an airplane and there's no place for an ego. Like I tell everybody I fly with, you'll never hurt my feelings in the plane. You know, just don't think I, and don't think I know everything just because I've been flying this thing for 2000 hours. And it's just, uh, and whether it's in my T-33 or the Stearman or flying the, the E-175, you know, I tell everybody, hey, don't be afraid. You're not going to hurt my feelings. You know, just speak up and, um, yeah. and, and we'll learn from it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and that brings us back into the air show. So this, this year is pretty much a wash. Uh, ICAST, they're already talking about we're going to be socially distant at the convention. Yeah, I've been trying to figure out how we're going to do that, but you know, <laughs> I guess we'll cross that bridge when it gets here. Yeah, we're going to be uh, wearing masks or, 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 or helmets or whatever the heck we're going to be doing. But, um, you know, so we will be back in some form or fashion, and I want to talk a little bit about the air show because your air show performance is, is something that it's a unique performance, and you showcase that jet really, really well. Um, explain a little bit about how your performance showcases that T-33 and what people can expect, or maybe where, even where they can find all your videos and stuff. Yeah, well, a lot of videos on YouTube that people have made and, and uh, from many, many shows. I mean, there's a few on there that I actually made. Um, and then Demo, there's some, some videos on there that my buddy John Parker did. But, yeah, I just, you know, when I developed my routine, I just I took the RCAF handbook on the maneuvers that the aircraft can do, and I just, you know, put them together in a nice flowing uh, routine. So I, you know, I pushed the airplane to its limits. I'm trying to hold back a little bit on the G's and keep it under six where I used to always come back at seven I, for my own health and the airplanes, you know, being 70 years old. But uh, I definitely push her to uh, her limits on, on her uh, maneuverability, on the maneuvers, uh, vertical stuff, uh, you know, high G turns uh, and, and so forth. So, you know, I showcase her slow and I show, showcase her fast. Um, and she's just a, a beautiful airplane uh to watch fly very graceful and beautiful lines so it's a great airplane to do shows in what are some of the things that you maybe with that particular aircraft model you know every jet's got it's kind of its dark hall areas you don't want to get near is there anything on the t-33 that you, you visibly avoid when you're flying a, a show routine or even now, doing test flying not not really um obviously in a jet you don't tumble it or do tail slides or you know, snap rolls like you do in an extra 300 or something. But, uh, I mean, everything that isn't, and I'm not going to open a show by spinning her down from 20,000 feet, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but the, the big thing that really only got you in a 33 is um, if uh, she doesn't like, like if you stall it or adverse rudder is, is like stalling it, you, the ailerons are still effective, so you use those to, to level the wings, like when I'm teaching with the students. And uh, if you put in rudder to try and lift the wing, you're actually going to put her into a tumble um, uh. Uh, with a tail fin stall. So she doesn't like an adverse yaw. She doesn't like that. That's why we have that 1940s uh, heads-up display on the nose and big yaw string. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that's pretty much the only really big gotcha on, on the T-Bird. Um, and I've had her depart. I was test flying one once in, in Texas, and it was super hot, and I was up around 12,000 feet, and I was coming over the top of a vertical mover and she departed and I, and I still don't know to this day why, you know, and I did one or two turns before I recovered. And it, I think I just got 
you know, a slow or I might have done something, but that was a one time and, and, but other than that, there's not really any dark. She talks to you very, very well. If if you don't know what she's trying to tell you when you're flying her, you probably shouldn't be in an airplane. Uh, it's just a great design, and but there's not really any dark, dark you know gotcha spots on her. So I mean, it, it was designed to train train thousands and thousands of jet pilots into the modern age of jet yeah. flying. Right, and it started life as a fighter, right? The P eighty shooting star, and it developed into yeah. the fight uh, the trainer. But, you know, with over 6,500 of them built and tens of thousands of uh, pilots trained throughout the world, it, it's definitely, um, and it lasted for over 50 years in service. So that, that, you know, that says something right there. Well, it is. And so Ace Maker Air Show, you came up through, as we talked about last time, and that's one thing I do want to make sure people do, go back and listen to Greg's first interview with me, you just go, just find Renegade Aviator on podcast and go listen because it talks more about the actual show and, and things of that nature. But um, I really think that it's unique to have civilian-owned Warbird jets on the air show circuit. Owning three myself and knowing what some of those challenges are, I think people really don't have an understanding of what it takes with the amount of work that you're doing behind the scenes before you ever show up at an air show with these aircraft. You work on your own airplanes or do you have other people that help you? Yeah, I mean, I work on them. My son's an A&P, and like I said, I have a couple friends, and if I get stuck, there's some guys in Salt Lake that work on T-33s, and I'll call them for stuff, but um, we have all the books and all the manuals, and so we do that ourselves, but yeah, I mean, air show flying is great for your 15 minutes of, you know, 30 minutes of fun, 15 minutes each day over the weekend, but for every show, I probably put in 40 hours of work for from, you know, not only, you know, getting the jet ready, but the contracting, the the public relations, the dealing with the show and making sure the logistics are in place. And so there's a lot of work, a ton of work behind the scenes. But uh, I think as we talked about and the first time I talked to you is if you look at it like in baby steps, like, oh, do this, do this, do this. Like when I started, I didn't look down the road and think, oh my God, that's so much work. There's no way I can ever do that. If you just plug along um, and take, you know, take one little thing at a time. It just, it builds up and adds up. And before you know it, you're where I am, you know, which well, like 10 yeah. years ago, I would have said, you're smoking crack. If you told me that I'd be, you know, making money on the air show circuit and owning three jets and teaching at TPS, I would have said, give me some of whatever you're smoking. Cause I want some of that. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Because there's, there's so many reasons where you could quit. And if you look at it logically, it doesn't make any sense logically what we do. Right. <laughs> so it's it's not a business plan that you write and go, oh, look at this. I'm going to invest a few thousand dollars and become an overnight success. You know, but this is why going into this, you know, my whole the whole thing this year has been May Day Save Our Air Shows. There's so much yeah. inertia, right? I mean, we put so much inertia into the air shows and to have them shut down i think every performer i've talked to said i'm worried about the little air shows coming back yeah i mean the little air shows the the little pilots you know there's i mean a vast majority of the air show pilots have real jobs i mean they're airline pilots or they're they're already rich or you know you take away the sponsored guys like kirby champlis or um you know michael gulian or the guys that are sponsored and make a lot of money from their sponsors you take away those people, and then you got guys like Kyle Franklin or Matt Yonkin 
myself, luckily, I, I was able to get the military contracts that we talked offline. Um, if I didn't diversify a couple years ago and have those military contracts, I can afford to keep one jet in a hangar and fly it once in a while for fun without making money, but I can't afford to have three jets. And this season would have completely, if I didn't have those other contracts going on with the military, my jets would be parked outside and they'd be for sale right now. And you take the other performers that make their sole living off of shows. I mean, there's not that many of us, you know, there's less than 10 there. It's, it's a hurting on them. You know, it's, it's pretty bad not having these shows. So hopefully next, next year we get to recover and people can go outside and enjoy the fresh air and, you know, want to stay out of politics, but you know, they encourage <laughs> people to go out and, and protest and riot, but you can't go to an air show. You know? Of course not. No. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's just, it's just, a, you know, we're, we're living in crazy times. Well, it is, and, and air shows are uniquely, although they're all over the world, they are America, it is liberty, and what I'm telling everybody you know, this year, I said, there's the, the big challenge for these local shows is, will we get sponsors to come back? And sponsors come and support these air shows, which means money, when people acknowledge the fact that the sponsor was there, that that sponsor sees that, hey, it's good business for us to be at air shows because, quite frankly, there's only a small number of us to think air shows are cool enough to dump all we owe or all we own into airplanes, but the sponsor needs to see right. a return. Exactly. And, and that's where the fans come in. That's why I tell people, write a thank you note to a sponsor. Make sure you're, to, you're going to that local airport event and, and volunteering or something because... Uh, we're right. going to need to kind of spark it again, right? It's like you had a flame out in flight. Here we had a flame out this year, and we got to get this baby lit again. <laughs> yeah, we do. We we need to relight it, and we need to, um, you know, start living living our lives again. And uh, it's, we, you know, by the end of the year, we get over all this stuff and, and unrest in this country, and, and we get back on track because, like I said, it's crazy times, and it's uh, kind of scary. At the same time, right? Um, I mean, I'm worried about the the fate of our nation, and and I just hope it can all you know get better, and we can come together as a nation, and come together as people, and just and improve, and and get better. It is. It's it's why I say air shows are excellence demonstrated. They're overcoming obstacles, achieving goals. That's truly American. And that's everybody. Yeah. It, you know, it, it encompasses everybody. So instead of protesting, come to an air show stand there socially distant or not but showing up is a pro it's a positive protest it's hey we're out here because i get to watch somebody be excellent and that means something to those and kids anybody can do it yeah absolutely absolutely you know it's a blue sky anybody that wants to go fly can learn how to fly and, and do it and um, whether they become an air show pilot or an airline pilot or just hop in a little cessna 172 and fly point A to point B, everybody can experience the freedom and the beauty of flying. You know, it, it has no limits and no bounds. Does No, it doesn't. And, and that's the thing. It is, it's for everybody because even if you're not into aviation, I can't tell you how many people we've talked to that have been inspired to do things on their own because of looking at other people. So, you know, you hang around people that are doing things and achieving things, and it's just that positive. That's what we need in this country right now is less of the doom and gloom and more of the look. There's people doing stuff out there. Come on, go after your crazy goal. That's what we're here to do is to live life. 
Yeah, it was pretty funny. I, when I, my son and I were on the airport or bus from Marin to San Francisco, you know, two weeks ago when I was going out the Pax River to finish my, um, the contract. And when we're just sitting on the airport or bus and the guy that sits is sitting across from me a few months ago, plane and pilot did a little, I don't know if you saw, did a, a interview with me about yeah. how I got to where I am. And yep. so I'm sitting there and this guy goes, Hey, are you Greg Collier? Across, he was across from me on the bus, and I turned and I looked at him. I go, yeah. And there wasn't even photographs in that article. It was just an artist rendering of my face in my airplane, right? Yeah. But, it, I mean, they, cause they took a photograph and they drew it. But, I mean, it looked yeah. like me. And, it, I, and I go, yeah. And he goes, oh, I just read your article. It was a great article in the magazine. I go, oh, Warbird Digest. Was, I don't know if you've seen that one. It just came out last month. I mean, this month, actually, Warbird did a cover story on me uh, around the, on the company and the jets and teaching at TPS. And I go, oh, Warbird Digest? And he goes, no, plane and pilot. And I go, oh, are you a pilot? And he goes, no, not at all. He goes, I was at a friend's house, and he's a pilot, and he had the magazine sitting there, and he handed it to me. He said, here, read this story. It's inspirational. And this guy just told me, he goes, God, that's a great story. It just makes you want to go out and achieve your dreams no matter what they are and not give up and not take no for an answer. So that was kind of, you know, I'm like, oh, thank you very much. You know, it was, it was pretty, pretty cool that, you know, my son was laughing next to me. He's like, can we go anywhere? <laughs> you know, but, uh, but exactly what you said, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to want to fly, but if you see somebody out there doing, achieving their dreams and following their dreams and passion, it gives people motivation to go take care of their dreams and passion, whatever those may be. Like your daughter being the, you know, ballerina or, you know, somebody being a race car driver or whatever they, their dream is. It, it does, I think, motivate people. When you see other people doing it, uh, you go, know, God, I can do my dreams too. Well, it is. And that's why I tell people, you know, take, take responsibility for yourself. And nothing smacks of responsibility as aviation. Every, every captain of an airplane understands that, right? I am a pilot. I am responsible. It's not my fault for everything, but I'm responsible. And if we just learn to have individual responsibility and then help one other person, imagine how much better America would, would be instead of sitting here doom uh, yeah. and gloom. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You take responsibility for yourself and respect and respect others until they don't deserve the respect. But you know what? It's right. respect everybody, respect people, respect property, respect yourself. And that's where it starts. Right. And, yep. and go out there and, and make them, you know, make this country greater one person yep. at a time. Absolutely. It start it starts so. with each one of us. And that's air shows, man. And so, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this, this is not even politics. This is just what air shows are about. So what I tell everybody every week, share this show. Go out there. Listen to these. Come out to the air shows. Stay in tune. Greg, how do people find more about you, find uh, any of your sponsors or anybody else you want to mention on today's show? Yeah. Um, I First, I have to thank Strong Parachutes. Um, they sub- keep all my jets and they keep me safe with uh, their great rigs in the in the airplanes. So if you're looking for shoots, Strong Parachutes, a, a great company, and they and they do awesome, make awesome rigs. Uh, Concord Batteries, they help me out a lot. But you can find me if you just Google my name or Google Ace Maker or my website AceMaker33.com. It's kind of a dated website right now, but we're in the process of making a brand new one. Um, so there's tons of tons of stuff out there you can see and find out stuff. And also Facebook, I have an Ace Maker Air Show page on Facebook. If you search Ace Maker Air Shows on Facebook, you can uh, find and follow me on, on there as well. 
And anybody with a skull in their logo is something I like, too. So, Ace Maker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all love skulls. But, ladies and gentlemen, Greg Collier, Ace Maker Air Shows. Uh, Greg, thanks again for coming back on. I really, every time you're on, I really, really enjoy it. I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, I'd like to see you soon, too, Dave. And thanks for having me on. It's always an honor and a privilege to speak to you. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm happy that I'm still, you know, here and kicking and I get to fly and I'm very fortunate and um so we'll just hopefully see everybody next year on the air show circuit and or if you ever see me around in an airport or send me a message I'll be glad to talk to you and for any reason whatsoever so um I just like to share share the aviation experience right on outstanding pilots are cool that's why I listen to David Costa the renegade aviator so stay right there we'll be right back All right. Thanks again, Greg Collier, Ace Maker Air Shows. And you can listen to his earlier interview with me, David Costa, the Renegade Aviator. Just go to wherever you find podcasts and search for Greg's show. It was about a year, year and a half ago. So go back and look for Greg's show. We've got hundreds of episodes on the Renegade Aviator radio show, wherever you find podcasts. This show is focused on air shows and the air show performers that you like to watch. And if you want to help us in our mission to save our air shows, renegadeaviator.com. That's renegadeav, the number 8r.com. This shutdown, this coronavirus is seriously affecting the air show industry. And if you want to take a simple, easy step to help us save our air shows, Join my crew, really easy, for as little as $3 a month. You can help bring this show to millions of people each week. RenegadeAviator.com, just join my crew. And speaking of RenegadeAviator.com, world records, baby. This idea is great, and not just because I thought of it, not just because my TS-11 Iskra jets, the three of them that I have, are perfect for this mission, world records, both are true, by the way, but value, the value that we're going to provide, not just to our sponsors. You know, we need to raise over a million dollars, but that's less than the cost of one corporate jet and just a little more than the new Cirrus aircraft or other aircraft that they're producing today. So the dollar amount is less important than the value. And anybody listening to my voice right now can receive great value from the project that we're doing. Young adults in their late teens and early 20s are going to benefit big time. The aerospace industry will benefit big time. The sponsors and people like you who will go to my website, worldrecordjet.com, and consider being a part of this financially or with your efforts will benefit big time. 
Want to learn more? Contact me, worldrecordjet.com. Next week, we're going to announce our video documentary series to go along with worldrecordjet.com. In the meantime, this is David Costa in the air in my TS-11 Iskra jet and on air with you each and every week. I am the Renegade Aviator. See ya!